So I got a phone call from my son, Johnny. I love to tell stories about my kids. Sorry about that. Got a <clears throat> call from Johnny on Friday night. Johnny's a freshman down at IU, and he was really excited because there was a big, um, a big worship night in Bloomington. Now, they worship a lot of things in Bloomington, uh, in my experience. Um, Jesus is not normally the center of that. But they, uh, all of the Christian groups on campus, a thousand people were invited, all the Christian groups on campus got together right in the middle of campus to have a worship night. So all the different groups, unity in the body, and they worshiped outside for a long, long time and loudly. So Johnny was calling me and said, hey, would you pray for this? It's going to be great. I've invited a lot of people. Um, there's also talk of, his actual words were some rioting. Might be a little extreme, I don't know. But he said there was, uh, they were also planning a, a march uh, in response to things happening in Baltimore this last week. And so um, Johnny said, just pray. You know, would you just pray for it? So I, um, I, I prayed for that. I talked to him the next day. I said, how did it go Saturday morning? How did it go? He said, it was awesome. It was great. All these people worshiping, you know, a lot of people watching that kind of didn't know what was going on. He said it was interesting that as we worshiped God, most people that saw us didn't walk around us. They walked right through us. It was like they were kind of looking around like, wow, what's this? Um, there, there was a march, and uh, there were a lot of signs going down Kirkwood and Bloomington with um, significant expletives related to uh, law enforcement. And um, I said to Johnny, why? Like, just help me understand, because I'm not a college student anymore, Help me understand, what are they demonstrating for? Like, who are they try- whose attention are they trying to get down there? And I, and I, I have no problem with people demonstration, and I, I long for justice like everyone else. So I got no problems with all of that. It's sort of the vulgarity and this, this passion that almost seems to be taken from another source at times. I said, Johnny, what are they doing? And these were his words, you know. I admit it's my son, but I think they're pretty perceptive. He said, Dad, people just want to be a part of something. That's what he said. Just people just want to be a part of something. Like, and I thought, it really hit me. Like, you know, that is so true. We want to be a part of something. We want to be a part of something that's valuable. We want to be a part of something that's worthwhile, that's important. You know, you watch on the news, and, and again, I feel the un- injustice. I can feel the tension in our nation. Um, over what's happening with law enforcement all over our, the country. I mean, there's just a lot of tension. Things are really bubbling, right? And there's this longing for justice, and there's this misunderstanding of what it means to be human, I think, in so many ways. But we're looking for something that's bigger than us, something that we can dump ourselves into. It's like we're looking for a river to jump into that will carry us because we're tired, and honestly, we're kind of lonely. We're looking for something that's bigger and better than us. I would say that deep in the heart of men and women, God has placed a desire for the eternal, for something that's forever, something that's unstoppable. So I want to read from Acts chapter 5, 27 to 42. I'm going to read through this passage. Um, Then be ready. Uh, We're going to get to watch a little bit of this passage as it might be, as it'll be portrayed tonight on the NBC series that we're kind of following. So this is Acts chapter 5, 27 to 42. I'm going to make just a comment or two through it, and then we'll, um, we'll watch the depiction. This is the word of God, Acts 5, 27. The apostles were brought in and made to appear before the Sanhedrin to be 
questioned by the high priest. Remember, this follows uh, Peter and John and the apostles, the healing and so forth, and then they were told not to preach in the name of Jesus anymore. Verse 28, we gave you strict orders not to teach in this name, he said, yet you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching and are determined to make us guilty of this man's blood. Okay, short version, they told them to stop. The, the authorities told them, stop speaking in the name of Jesus, period, right? Verse 29, Peter and the other apostles replied, we must obey God rather than human beings. The God of our ancestors raised Jesus from the dead, whom you killed by hanging him on a cross. God exalted him to his own right hand as prince and savior, that he might bring Israel to repentance and forgive their sins. We are witnesses of these things, and so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey him. Short summary, they can't stop. They can't stop talking about Jesus. They just literally... Whatever has happened within them does not allow them to listen to powerful human beings and cease the communication about Jesus. Verse 33. When they heard this, they were furious and wanted to put them to death. But a Pharisee named Gamaliel, a teacher of the law who was honored by all the people, stood up in the Sanhedrin and ordered that the men be put outside for a little while. They're going to have another little powwow. Then he addressed the Sanhedrin. Men of Israel, consider carefully what you intend to do to these men. Some time ago, Theudas appeared, claiming to be somebody. Anybody heard of Theudas? Right, that's his point. <clears throat> and about 400 men rallied to him. He was killed, and all his followers were dispersed, and it all came to nothing. After him, Judas the Galilean appeared in the days of the census and led a band of people in revolt. He too was killed, and all his followers were scattered. Therefore, in the present case, I advise you, leave these men alone. Let them go, for if their purpose or activity is of human origin, it will fail. But if it's from God, you will not be able to stop these men. You will only find yourselves fighting against God. So Gamaliel is a teacher. He's on the side of the bad guys here, you know. And he says in his wisdom, hey, listen, you know, more than likely, this is just a human thing. And don't worry about it. We're on God's side. It's got no power, right? But if by chance this is from God, you won't be able to stop them. So I would urge you, let's not run the risk of working against God. <clears throat> Verse 40, his speech persuaded them. And yet they called the apostles in and had them flogged. Then they ordered them not to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. Basically, they didn't listen to Gamaliel's advice. Nice thought, old man. You know, and uh, we don't really know what to do with these guys, but just for good measure, we're going to beat them and tell them one more time, don't do that. They ordered them to stop anyway. Verse 41, the apostles left the Sanhedrin rejoicing because they'd been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name. Day after day in the temple courts and from house to house, I love this phrase, they never stopped. They never stopped teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Messiah. Regardless of human power and authority, they never stopped. Let's uh, see what this looks like.
in our clip. Our nation is poisoned. Turn away from hate. Turn away from violence. Jesus is the light of the world. Amen. Open your hearts. Hear our message of hope and love for all people. Come. Jesus is the good shepherd. People would not act this way if they knew the kingdom of our Lord Jesus Christ is coming to Jerusalem. He is him, the resurrection. Him. Hey, and the light! I suppose it's thankless to ask, but I'd very much like to know how you escaped yourself. Then I can only assume that you have some experience of lockpicking. A skill which most reasonable people would associate with criminality. Very well. You are accused of continuing to teach the name of a false prophet. You defy the temple and conspire to lead the lost souls of this city astray. What have you to say to this? Answer me! Out of respect for the learned elders of the Sanhedrin, we will not seek to defend our beliefs. We only know them to be true. There can be no defense or clarification or mitigation of the truth. It simply is. And what is the truth? That God raised Jesus from the dead to sit at his right hand as prince and savior. And it was his spirit that freed us from your chains. You are aware that saying such things condemns you as false prophets according to the law. There is only one outcome. You are to be put to death by stones. A few words spoken. For so many lives to be clipped. Rabbi Gamaliel, do you find fault in our application of the law? No, 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 probably not. But as president of the Sanhedrin, I'm obligated to poke a finger into matters that pique my interest. Of course, but what more is there to say? They've been found guilty. Yes, 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 yes. it's all very upsetting. But I wonder, do you not recall the enthusiasms of your own youth and being carried away by them? Your wisdom is highly valued and recognized by all. But. but I should sit down now, should I? No, no, I cannot. My conscience pricks at me for us both. Let these men alone. They are not dangerous. If what they claim is false, then nothing will come of it. And in time, they will simply fade away. But if it is true and you destroy them, you will find yourselves in opposition to God.
having considered the wisdom of Gamaliel. It is agreed that the sentence shall be commuted. But you're to be taken to a public place and flogged so that everyone may know your guilt. You get to see the flogging tonight if you want to see that. Sorry to say that. It seems like whatever happened to the apostles, whatever experience they had with Jesus, whatever revelation of his love, whatever encounter with his power, they became unstoppable. And it, it, it wasn't their human zeal that caused the gospel to spread over thousands of years to every nation. It was the power of God. You look in Acts 8.1, it says this, and this is right after the stoning of Stephen. That's also, I think, in the, in the episode tonight. On that day, a great persecution arose, against, broke out against the church at Jerusalem. And all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. An interesting phrase. All except the apostles were scattered. So my question was, why were all except the apostles scattered? Clearly, the apostles were the band leaders. Clearly, the apostles were the ones in the most danger, right? And yet they weren't scattered. So why did they stay? Why would Peter and the rest of the apostles stay where certainly, you know, death, they're hanging on the line here with death. I would say they stayed because they were captured by the love of God. They were made new people in God's kingdom. I would say they stayed because fear has no power over love. I would say they stayed because death has no power over love. I mean, that's the theme of these chapters is death has no power over love. When we, when we celebrate communion, when we look to the cross, what we're proclaiming there is that love defeated death, even in the midst of death. Jesus went to his death to proclaim that love conquers death. It seems, it seems upside down. And yet, as believers, when we enter into the death of Christ, we enter into the life of Christ, and we become unkillable. We become unstoppable. The one thing that every person values, you know, more than anything, your own life, self-preservation, and it's trumped by love, all through the book of Acts. They witnessed and they tasted a love and a power that was beyond compare. And we have witnessed... And we have tasted that power. The love of Jesus that conquers all. Why is love so powerful? Wouldn't it be great if I could answer that one? I mean, like, that would be an awesome book. I'll work on that one. I have one idea why love is so powerful. The, the, the most powerful thing that we, I think, as humans know, other than love, is anger. Or it's close cousin fear, Right? And, and the power of love is that it comes from an eternal source. Anger comes from a temporal source. Anger and fear come from the enemy. And if you read at the end of the book, you got one of those Bibles? If you read at the end of the book, he's done for. We win. You are on a winning team. We win in the end. Doesn't mean there isn't a little bit of blood in the process. 
I don't mean to make light of that. It's just fact. But we win in the end because love conquers death. Anger, as much as you feel the power of that, or fear, as much as you may be controlled by that, love is more powerful than anger and fear because love is eternal and anger and fear are temporal. If we could insert that into the the thinking mechanism that God has given us and let that drill down into our spirits that love conquers fear and anger, we would forever be changed people. It's what changed the apostles, is that love was all of a sudden seen as the most powerful force. No longer anger, no longer fear. They couldn't even be threatened with death. The anger of man does not accomplish the justice of God. The scripture says that essentially. And so the anger of man or Satan, for that matter, is ultimately no match for the love of God. There's no more powerful force than God's love. What is really beautiful to me is that Izzy and I didn't talk about the message this morning. We just purposely really don't do that. We don't tend to coordinate like that. And the whole worship set was about the power of the love of God. And I just thought, God, if not for anyone else, boy, you really like me. Because that's the message that rings in my heart today, is that the power of the love of God is eternal. It's unstoppable. And it's not just unstoppable in in figurative language. It's not just unstoppable in the Bible. It's not just unstoppable on Sunday nights at nine. It's unstoppable in your life regardless of the fact that you feel like everything in hell is coming against you. The love of God is unstoppable. Threats can't stop the love-powered gospel. Threats can't stop the love-powered gospel in your life. Do you feel like there are threats in your life? Most of us have some threat. It might not be threat of death. It might not be threat of stoning. But it feels like that, doesn't it? I mean, when we get up on a whatever morning it is for you and the anxiety and the fear is just riddling you and causing you to palpably shake and consider all sorts of things that you know are not good ideas. I want to remind you that the love-powered gospel can't be stopped by threats. Persecution can't stop the love-powered gospel. What people might threaten or say to you because of Jesus because of your lifestyle choices following God, cannot be stopped. Those persecutions are, are, are trumped by the love-powered gospel. Death can't stop the love-powered gospel. Even the threat of death can't stop love. Let me just take a little sideline here. If you were in uh, this morning for the first song, um, I got so excited. <laughs> Because I don't know if you heard that first song. I don't know if you sang it. I don't know if maybe in the midst of that first song you're thinking, what the heck is this? And I just want to let you know that that first song that we sang was riddled with Scripture. Riddled with Scripture. No, Romans chapter 8 was the first part. No, no height, nor depth, no angels, no demons. We're going to read that in a while. None of those things can beat love. How about the part where it says, I know the end of the story? I come out of the wilderness leaning on my beloved. You're thinking, where does that come from? Song of Solomon 8.5. It's a beautiful picture of the beloved, that's us, 
leaning on Jesus coming out of all of the difficulty, the persecution, the threat of the desert in our lives. And we come out. That's the end of the story. Because threat and death cannot beat the love-powered gospel. We go into the, um, the thing about how high and how wide and how deep. That's Ephesians chapter 3. It's Paul's most famous prayer about how incredible the power of this love is. How, how expansive, how all-consuming the love of God is. And then it's the part where we sing about you know, the, um, the love that's uh, like a flame of fire and uh, no flood can overwhelm it. Song of Solomon 8, 6, and 7. It's again a picture of how powerful love is. That actual word for fire in Song of Solomon 8, 7, it means the mighty flame of God. I mean, it's, it's really all about love. The powerful love of Jesus and the kingdom that Jesus established with it are unstoppable. And that's the kingdom that we carry. In fact, Jesus even said, the kingdom is within you. Hear the truth, regardless of how you feel this morning. The unstoppable kingdom founded on God's love is within you. Now, just go into work tomorrow with that. Go home this afternoon with that. Go into your family gathering with that. The unstoppable kingdom of God, powered by the eternal love of God, is within you. It's your right and inheritance as a believer. You're a child of God, and with it, you get everything. Acts 6, 8 to 10, this is about Stephen. I like Stephen because he's my namesake. Did you know my first name is Stephen? If you ever see my S. Randall, that's Stephen. Right here, dude. Now Stephen, a man... Of course, he dies quickly. Now Stephen, a man full of grace and God's grace and power, did great wonders and miraculous signs among the people. Because Stephen was so intelligent? No. Because Stephen was so strong physically? No. Because Stephen had a great heritage, we, we have no idea. It's all we hear of Stephen. He only factors in three chapters in the Bible, and then he dies. He did great wonders and miraculous signs among the people because Stephen was changed by the powerful love of God, and the kingdom of God was within him. Opposition arose, however. What a shocker. These men began to argue with Stephen, but they could not stand up against his wisdom or the spirit by whom he spoke. God granted Stephen the wisdom of the Holy Spirit and the power of the Holy Spirit, which is the love of God indwelling him. They couldn't stop. They killed his body. They couldn't stop his testimony. They silenced his mouth, but his words kept ringing. And we're reading them today. I want to read from Romans 8 as we close here because I want you to listen to the power of the love of God unstoppable in and through your life. And I want you to just think. Just if you can take your life as it is. If, you're, if your life was just a message of notes and troubles and you put it in front, put it on your screen. I want you to look at your life, but I want you to hear the truth of what's within you from Romans chapter 8. 
it strikes me that uh, I've forgotten my Bible. Is this Greek? (laughs) Let's read from Romans chapter 8. I'm going to read verse 18 and then I'm going to start at 28. You can close your eyes, you can just listen. This is the power of God's love. Verse 18, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. Verse 28, and we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those he predestined, he also called. And those he called, he also justified. Those he justified, he also glorified. If you're here this morning in Christ and Christ in you, he's talking about you. What then shall we say in response to this? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Now hear the litany. Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It's God who justifies. Who is he that condemns? Christ Jesus, who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God. Sounds like Peter now and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble, or hardship, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We're considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors. Unstoppable through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, neither angels, nor demons, neither the present, nor the future, nor any powers, neither height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. In spite of what we sometimes feel and experience in the world, this is the truth about us. This is how powerful the love of God is in God's people, in God's children. The end of the story, Revelation 12, 11, the end of the story, you see Satan, I mean, it, this is reality coming. He's hurled down, that's what the Bible says. He's hurled down and he's put to death. Death itself is put to death. That's double death. It can never come back again. And, uh, and the Bible calls Satan the accuser of the brethren. He's the one who makes us feel rotten all the time, right? And he's getting hurled down. And then the Bible has this one verse, uh, Revelation 12, 11, And it says, and they overcame him, that is they, they is us. They overcame him by the blood of the lamb, that's the love of Jesus poured out on the cross. By the word of their testimony, they spoke the name of Jesus with power. And the part that we don't quote as often and they loved not their lives even unto death. They loved not their lives even, even unto death. 
the eternal love of God that beats death had so grasped them, had so filled them, that even love for their own lives was nothing compared to love for Jesus who gives eternal life and has beat death forever and ever. That lives in us. That's what I, I send you out this morning with, is the powerful, unstoppable love of God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you have uh, released your love upon us. We don't have to muster it up. We don't have to think real hard to get it. It's present within us. God, grant us grace to walk in the power of that love. We ask for transformed minds. We ask for healings in our spirits. We ask for empowered souls connected with the Holy Spirit to walk in the unstoppable, powerful love of God. And we pray that as Izzy was praying, that the love of God through us, your people, would fill this city, fill central Indiana, fill this state with the love-powered gospel of Jesus. We pray in his name. Amen. I'm going to ask Jeff to come up.